Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Cholley. Coming up on today's episode, Dominic Raab's got himself in a whole lot of pickle. Rishi Sunak is in Bali, but he's flying home. Before he got on the plane... Dominic Raab sent him a letter saying that two formal complaints have been made about his alleged bullying when he was Foreign Secretary and Justice Secretary. He asked for an independent investigation, which Rishi Sunak has agreed to. Not the best backdrop to Dominic Raab taking deputy PMQs in Rishi Sunak's place. Will Angela Rayner raise it? How much political capital will she make out of it? And will Dominic Raab lose his temper. You can find out in Deputy PMQ's Unpat in just a moment. But first, as ever, it's our Columnist panel. The Columnists with Ali Burt, Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton on Times Radio. Yes, they're both here in the studio. Morning, Alice. Morning. So, morning, Robert. Morning, Matt. Either of you got any weird memorabilia? Uh... Steve it's not Jobs, weird. Steve Jobs' sandals being sold for two hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Oh, I've got Bill Gates's equations. He was trying to explain Bill Gates's equations on a piece of paper, which I have actually weirdly kept when yeah. I did an interview with him, and he was trying to explain something extremely basic to me about population. I've, I've got an anti-Nazi league placard from nineteen seventy-eight. You know the the round yeah, ones, yeah. Yellow, yellow and red, That's rock, quite nice. rock against racism. Yeah, yeah. Got about that and a pro-Nazi one. Yes, indeed. In I was on the I was on the right side. Of yeah, you were on the right yeah. side. Of. I did have a cushion from George Osborne's Battle Bus in 2010. A oh, sort yeah. of talk with the Tory logo on it, but my wife threw it away. Good story. Yes, good thing. <laughs> right, you could have had it in the middle of your bed, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Scatter cushions. Yeah. Just make no reference to it. Uh, right, let's move on and talk about. Uh, oh, I suppose we want to talk about this guy. Here we go. Come on, Andrew. America great there. and glorious again. I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement. America's golden age is just ahead. And we will make America great again. Thank you very much. God bless you all. Thank you. I thought his description of a, uh, being a great movement was quite a, was a good euphemism, <laughs> that, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't sound like he kind of quite it meant it. It's a bit as much. weary. It's a bit weary, of, yeah. I thought. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. didn't sound like he quite meant it. Uh, it felt a bit to me like Boris last time, actually, yeah. that it's a sort of comeback, but it's not going to happen. And Melania looked a bit sort of. Poor Melania. And Ivanka's not even there. She's Ivanka's decided she's going to support her father, but outside politics. Yeah. 
And he had the worst possible preparation for it with the midterms, yeah. not all these people do, not doing very well. So, it, And it's obviously going to be the other guy, the uh, DeSantis guy, isn't it? Well, the thing is, it reminds me a bit of like when you were at school and you sort of one day, like lunchtime, a game evolves and it was brilliant and yeah. everyone, you know, then the next day you try to recreate it, it's never yeah. quite as good. Yeah. The sort of spontane the spontaneity, you know, yeah. and everyone drifts away. And yeah. Santa's just is so much better, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. The best parties are the ones that happen spontaneously rather than the one you've been looking for. Yeah, to. and then if you try to recreate yeah. that yeah. spontaneity, it's just not as excellent point. It's not as good. Uh, well, I've no doubt we'll talk about him yeah. um, more in the coming Best weeks. But um, the thing that I'd completely forgotten, it was only because I was reading the Times coverage, and they talked about this being his third. I'd completely forgotten that he ran in, so, 20, yeah. in 2000. Yes, he did. For the he? Reform Party. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, he, wanted to, he was trying to be around Ross Perot or something, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. What's extraordinary still to me is that he wasn't a politician first, that, that yeah. America has such a different system in that yeah. way that absolutely no experience, and then you go on. What's extraordinary to me is the way he took over the Republican Party. Yeah. But... The Republican Party, sensible elements of the Republican Party might just be reasserting themselves, you know. A tiny bit. Let's well, they so. have now, they've got another candidate. It's always whether you've got another candidate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also just whether, you know, if, you're, if your pitch is, I'm the guy with the golden touch, everyone I endorse, every idea I come up with, it's brilliant, always wins. It's the greatest, you know, the greatest winner in history. And then if suddenly that doesn't work, you know, yeah. the candidates he endorsed, the really loopy election-denying candidates he endorsed didn't win. Yeah. You know, far from uh, not getting a landslide, you know, they've held the Democrats have held the Senate. You know, that's that's extraordinary. Yes. It's one of the best results for a sitting president yeah. outside George Bush after 9-11. But even yeah. if he doesn't get this, he's not going to accept the result, is he? I mean, that's his problem, is it? But then if he doesn't get, you know, and then, it, then he just ends up drifting off into proper loopyville. And if Biden's got any sense, he'll, he'll, he'll announce now that he's not running next time. And, and, you know, well, although that then's a problem for the, you know, yeah. the, the, the Democrats end up in the problem. Joe Biden was nobody's first choice, but then you look around and... Have they not got anybody? Well, who, is that, who else is there? I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll see, because I no doubt that'll, that'll pan out. Let's talk about your column today, Alice. Uh, it's about... Well, actually, it's mainly about some extraordinary stories of individuals uh, um, going through being treated for cancer, and everyone will know someone who's been through that. But I thought what was interesting was the you lay over that rising cost of living, services not working properly... Uh, you know, if, you, if you're having chemo, you, you basically you fill the cold more, you have to put the heating on, that's an extra cost. You probably can't work. Uh, you can't drive. Public transport's rubbish. So we make what is already a terrible situation even worse. Yeah, so the cost of living crisis has really hit people with cancer. And I went to the Maggie's Centre in West London and people had really dreadful stories. And you realise, in fact, they did a poll and you know, nearly a quarter of them said they were more worried about the cost of living than they were about their cancer because, you know, it is that. It's petrol. It's even wigs that cost money. Yeah. That, you know, and if they, they can't afford to buy vitamins and to feed themselves properly, that's really frightening when you're trying to overcome cancer. And a lot of them had families. You lose your job. You're, you know, yeah. This could take a year, two years, three years. And if you're waiting for long periods of time, which they are now... Um, for treatment, then they haven't got any income really coming in. You have to go on benefits. And I think the whole situation's become mm. far, far worse. And in fact, the head of Maggie's, the CEO, mm. Laura Lee, said that it's the worst she's ever seen it in 25 years. Uh, and why is that? Because of the costs? Or is it also because services are struggling? Partly because of yeah. costs, inflation, but also because the NHS is struggling so much. Yeah. So you're far less likely to be seen now within the time scale that you were seen pre-pandemic. Partly it's because people didn't come forward in the pandemic, but actually the NHS has been given a lot more money in the last three years and is still performing fewer operations and fewer services. So that's the really difficult thing for them. And then you also know that if you're not seen, your cancer's likely to get worse. And well, I that's think that's problem. terrifying yeah, yeah, yeah. for people. Yeah. Um, 
Robert, have you, have you come across this? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's part of the ongoing labour shortage, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, um, the, what struck me was from Alice's column was half half a million people not in the workforce yeah. now, uh, post COVID. Some of them, twenty percent of them, because of long COVID, mm. but other, others because of yeah. just the condition. You know, they're country's ill. Yeah, and uh, can't uh, and it's and it's. Uh, it's a vicious spiral because you know that includes nurses and doctors, and yeah. so therefore there's fewer people uh, red, able to help people yeah. out. And we we just haven't got a massive labour crisis. I mean, I, we're going to talk about the train thing in a minute. I mean, that's essentially the same thing. Uh, transport problems, we've got the, the, but the problems in the yes, I have come across it everywhere you go. You come across this labour shortage, and and most obviously, yeah. So I mean, it's a humanitarian issue because it's just awful hearing these people's stories, particularly yeah. if you've got children or elderly parents but then it's also as, as Robert says it's, it's, it's a nightmare for the country if you haven't got people working we are now the sick person of Europe because you know, when you look at the figures well the only country where fewer people have gone back post-pandemic and they're not going back because they're having a great time and they've got loads of money yeah. to spend they're not going back because they're sick but also 33rd out of 41 developed nations mm. you say in your column yeah. for cancer treatment behind Bulgaria Brazil and South Africa. Africa I know we've talked about this before but the sort of the deification of the NHS this amazing thing as if no other country has a hospital in it. Well, and yet it just doesn't, it's not working. It wasn't designed for this good situation, we yeah. which is that people died at 65 yeah. when the NHS was created. I think life expectancy was about 65 yeah. in 1948. No, it's 85. Yeah, you stop working and the yeah. next day you drop dead. That's right. That alone, that, it. that alone is, uh, it wasn't designed for that. Uh, and it needs to be radically reshaped. I think kind of consensus feels like it's emerging on this. To yes, because it's not the money now. That's the problem. It's actually yeah. just organisation efficiency. It's but also staff. I mean, it's, they it's haven't a, got enough staff. Yeah. People were talking about this week the global population reaching eight, reaching eight billion. In yeah. part, that's a that's a result of success, is because yeah. people don't die from all these things. That's right. But there's a point that you made in I think you said in your piece, Alice, that the cancer was a death sentence and now it's a life sentence. Didn't yes. You? Actually, I was quite pleased with that one. Actually, but yeah. actually, part, nice but, phrase, but it sort of nice really phrase. puts a. Think on it. In the past, if you had cancer, you'd be like, oh, I was six months yeah. and that was it. And instead, you you go through these round after round. You know, I've been yeah. sadly this with my mother-in-law. You know, went over sort of four, five, six years. And I do remember, you know, she was retired. But I do remember thinking then, if that happened to one of us and you were yeah. working, and it's you not can't like work. You're going it's not like you break your leg or something and you like have it in plaster and then you just go back to work. But you're having chemo, you don't know from one day to the next how you're going to feel. And one young man was sleeping in his car just because he said he couldn't actually afford to go backwards and forwards. And you can't yeah. use public transport as easy because you might either be immunosuppressed or you're just feeling really ill mm, and weak. Yeah. And you can't get onto a crowded tube. That's crazy. Let's talk about you. Went on a train, you wrote about it, and then you went viral. Yeah, it's extraordinary. I just, I, I wrote about, I, I mean, it wasn't particularly out of the ordinary. I'm sure most rail passengers would, will have their own horror stories. It was just I was going trying to get to Stansted last Friday night and uh, the train just uh, decided, they, they just decided to bin it at Bishop Stortford. Uh, <laughs> and a whole bunch of us, 200 odd people, including a whole lot of uh, tour, you know, tourists and so forth, presumably, you know, trying to get to planes. I'd, I'd allowed a lot of time, but some people hadn't. Uh, milling around in without knowing what to do. Anyway, I wrote, wrote this as a, it will be a familiar tale to most uh, passengers. But people love reading about trains. It was the second most read thing on the Times website yesterday. Uh, we were discussing. Uh, it's usually anything about Megan does very well, <laughs> and trains. We think we, 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 need, we need, need to get Megan on the Stamford Express. We need to get yeah. Megan on a train. Uh, Playing dogs as well. Dogs always playing well. football. Mm. Well, there's some, that whole with some um, Nazi cats. I remember reading somebody in America said that in America, particularly yeah. anything about American presidents, pets, yeah. and health, 
does well. And so someone said that if you had a book called Lincoln's Doctor's Dog. Was a Nazi. That was, <laughs> was a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Until Megan rescued him. Yeah, until yeah. Megan rescued him. Megan rescues Lincoln's Doctor's Nazi there Dog. Yeah. There we are. Yeah. That's the yeah. perfect book title. Yeah, that would overtake you then. Yeah. Amazon, Amazon, would no, Amazon would have to turn on another server. That would sell so well. <laughs> that's what, but it that's is true that's that's we've all given up, haven't we? I mean, that's the thing. I went on the train last week down from Reading down to Tiverton and we got hit by a cow. And it took two hours. Hang on. You got hit by a cow <laughs> yeah. or you hit the a cow? There's a, there's a... No, I think the, the cow was standing there and the, then the train went That's what went I mean, exactly. The yeah. cow didn't, didn't just drop out of the sky onto the <laughs> Well, train. no, but I think it was there on purpose well, anyway. I, it was a bit of a mess. But in fact, it took us two hours before we were allowed to go on. What two was and a half. I think what was a new low about mine was it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a tragedy. Yeah. It wasn't weather. There was no explanation. It was just this train has binned it. And a everyone put up with it. Five yeah. miles short of its destination, which is the fourth biggest airport in the yeah. country. Uh, and everyone, well, it sort of made do. Mm. No explanation, no apology. Yeah. But never apologise, that seems to be the... Uh, no, and that just seemed to be yeah, yeah. poor. Yeah. <laughs> and you can read it online and comment, as you hundreds can. and hundreds and hundreds of people did. <laughs> uh, finally, let's talk about eggs. Your nature's fast food. Yes, well, <laughs> except it's not really. Egg no. rationing means a not-so-full English. Uh, Weatherspoons admitting it's now offering alternatives. You might get, what is he getting, a hash brown instead of an egg? Yeah. No, you need the egg. We need you need the egg. Need I saw brown. that hash brown. And, and that, an egg. Since when was a hash brown of kind of, I saw that in the pictures. Of, it's not, I don't know. But there's a reason for this, uh, but there's lots of reasons. Uh, but we can now speak to an expert. Alice Thompson's obviously an expert. How many, how many chickens obviously, have you got? Obviously, but I only have six. You've got six hens. Uh, Phil Crawley is uh, an egg producer from Leicestershire. Well, not him, not personally. He's got chickens to do that. And uh, vice chair, the <laughs> NFU poultry board. How many, how many hens have you got, Phil? I've got several thousand hens. <laughs> and so why is there a shortage of eggs? A combination of factors is the honest answer. Um, the dreaded, regretfully, avian influenza has took a toll. The increase in food price has made, regretfully, sun farmers not, not restocked. Not a limited number of not restocked. And I think it's just come home to roost that perhaps we're a little bit shorter of eggs than we were expecting. But to give you some figures, food is up around 55% on what it was earlier in the year. What, the food that you'd um, give yeah. to the hens? Yeah, they have the yeah. chicken food, yep. Yeah. And around 60% of the cost of producing a dozen eggs is food. So it's, it's a major input cost. And some farmers, when the price of food went up earlier in the year, as the price of food has gone up for everybody, it's made some farmers just choose perhaps not to restock as, as soon as they would have normally restocked. So yes, overall egg production's down what nine point six percent. So that's mm. that's sort of adding to the. Uh... Also, if you think they might get flu, then you know it's such a huge risk, isn't it? And so, what happens for if if you know? Obviously, we hope this doesn't happen. If you got uh, bird flu in amongst your head, what happens? Do you have to get? Is it like sort of TB yeah. in cattle? Do you have to get rid of all of them? Yes, it, it, yeah. it is fatal for the chickens. Sadly, it is fatal. So that's yeah. that's so that's and then you're right back to square one and then and I suppose then in that situation you might choose that's why you might then choose not to uh, uh, replace. You, you've Could got you be a huge amount of cleanup. Um, insurance was available last year because the challenge was last year and carried on. There is very little insurance available this year because the perceived risks are that much greater. So yeah. the, the level of insurance. So they'll, has they'll gone only down insure you if they're pretty sure it's not going to happen. Yeah. and then when they think it might it, happen, they don't. <laughs> a little bit like that. Yeah. They don't a little bit. Um, so how what, when we talk about short, it, it seems a bit weird that weather. Presumably, weatherspoons could buy eggs if they wanted to. I mean, we're not quite at the point where we've run out of eggs. We have not run out of eggs. We're a little bit short, but it, it's not that you, there's just less eggs available. It's not that we are anywhere near without of eggs. We're just a little bit less than what we had before. Uh, uh, Weatherspoon, uh, a spokesman for Weatherspoons, said they're offering 
uh, hash browns, onion rings, or chips. Just fine. Where do we all stand on chips in our breakfast? Well, that's not good enough. Eggs are very cheap protein. And yeah. Chips are hash browns and onion rings yeah. are not. Yeah, no, it's protein oh, versus carbohydrate. Yeah. Right? Phil, where do you, Phil, where do you stand on chips on a fire? Oh, I'm sorry, chips aren't there. Egg needs to be there. Egg needs <laughs> to be there. That's what. It's a building block. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Everything, everything follows from egg. Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton there. And of course, you can read them in The Times every week. You know what to do. Get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next is Deputy PMQ's Unpacked. Hello, welcome to Off Air with Jane and Fee. I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. And this is the new and exclusive home of our joint podcasting exploits. Aren't we grand? <laughs> Every Monday to Thursday evening, we talk all things fact, fun, nonsense, utter gibberish, you name it, we talk about it. We also find ourselves joined by the great and the good. That makes it sound accidental, doesn't it? <laughs> so join us for Off Air with Jane and Fee. Monday to Thursday on the Free Times radio app and wherever else you get your podcasts. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Redbox podcast now. It's time for this. PMQ's Unpacked on Times Radio. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman. Yes, it's that time of the week. It would be normally be Prime Minister's questions. Uh, I've only had a couple of Rishi Sunak versus Keir Starmer. Now, a treat, Tim Shipman. A highlight. Tim Shipman, yeah. uh, Chief Political Commentator of the Sunday Times, is here. In which Angela Rayner presumably gets to bully Dominic Raab for half an hour about whether Dominic Raab's a bully. Uh, and he presumably says, await the outcome of the investigation. There is an investigation. What, what a I, cunning wheeze. I We've never just, had this before. I've just reached PMQs, over have we? and I will, uh, I will grab the bell. Oh, we're going to need the bell today. And I think every time we are, are told to wait the uh, the investigation. Now, here's, well, let's it, be clear. If she asks six questions, you'll be banging the bell six times. Um, here's a question. How much trouble do you think Dominic Raab is actually in one school of thought, I mean, clearly, we've heard quite a lot. Some of it less, you know, if you're that fighting of a tomato, possibly don't. I think the tomato office. has been hotly disputed. Hotly disputed. But 
the bigger revelation there for me was that he didn't have a pret sandwich that he I liked know, every day. The, the idea that he was special. throwing things out of his pret sandwich yeah. is astonishing news. Surely by now he could have chosen one which didn't have tomato in it. But uh, clearly there have been enough allegations. Uh, 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 this has gone on for uh, several days now. We had a former permanent secretary of the Foreign Office, uh, Simon McDonald, on the show yesterday saying people were scared to go into his office and he, he hadn't raised concerns about anyone else's behaviour before. Um, now that there are two, you know, the, the line from number 10 was, well, there's been no formal complaint. There are now two formal complaints. But we saw what happened with Priti Patel. There were formal complaints about her. She was found to have bullied them. She said she didn't realise she was doing it and she got to stay anyway. Then Simon McDonald kind of made that point about Rob. He didn't really understand. He wasn't aware of the impact of his behaviour when we tried to make him aware of it. Um, you know, Dominic Rob is a difficult bloke. Um, you know, I've interviewed Dominic Rob and seen him behaving in a fairly... Uh, sort of wide-eyed and controlling kind of fashion with his staff, demanding that all the doors are shut and that everyone's silent so he can concentrate on what he's going to say to me, that sort of thing. Um, you know, quite sort of what you would call slightly odd behaviour um, that a lot of uh, ministers don't resort to. Um, whether it constitutes full-blown bullying um, is, I guess, for this inquiry to decide. Um, I wouldn't say that a lot of these revelations are particularly new about Dominic Raab. We've known that there's been a conveyor belt of people from his private office in various departments, that he's an exacting taskmaster, which veers towards what some people would call bullying. Um, and um, But it comes in the context of all the other stuff that's been going on. Rishi Sunak's lost Gavin Williamson already. Um, you know, uh, the parliamentary party and, uh, whisper it quietly, the media have got a sort of taste for blood, as it were, um, and, you know, it, there's no shortage of people with things to say about Dominic Raab. I was just scrolling through, you know, one of the roundup stories uh, online here. And, you know, it, day after day after day, <laughs> in department after department after department, um, there's people with uh, not very nice things to say about him. Um, uh, but as you say, um, whether this is enough to remove him from his job, um, it's a bit early to say. But this is certainly going to be, as you observed at the top, a much more uncomfortable session. I don't think we'll see Dominic Raab winking at Angela Rayner today and <laughs> pulling out some of the other uh, favoured tactics yeah. uh, during uh, his, uh, you know, his time at these this, this dispatch box. Um, so we can see uh, Dominic Raab uh, just sitting behind him on the front bench, Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor on one side, and uh, Mel Stride, the Work and Pension Secretary. Uh, well done there. Thanks so much. Yeah, I uh, could hear your brain whirring as <laughs> you thought, what job has Mel Stride got? Uh, Mark's lack of um, sort of a couple of women either side might have softened the image. Well, yeah, I think it, it's fair it does to look say. like the boys have turned it, out it, for it the lads. Yeah, yeah, it looks a bit like lab. what was that hail and pace thing, the management back in the day. <laughs> There's, you know, if they were, you well, expect to see them with a sort of curly wire out of their ears asking you to move on on a Saturday night. Right, here we go then. Uh, grab your popcorn. Uh, this is Angela Rayner, question number one at Deputy PMQ's Unpacked. Mr Speaker, and can I share the Deputy Prime Minister's remarks regarding the Sikh community and, most importantly, about the incident in Poland last night? I know the whole House stands united in our support for the Ukrainian people and sends condolences for the tragic loss of life. And Britain has an unshakable commitment to NATO and our allies, including Poland. The Government has rightly requested we establish the facts and avoid unhelpful speculation, so I understand that the Deputy Prime Minister might not be able to go further today. But does he agree that last night's events aside, the fact that Russia 
is launching missile attacks on Ukrainian civilian infrastructure whilst world leaders meet shows the utter contempt that Putin has for international order. Yeah. Prime Minister. Can I thank uh, the Right Honourable Lady? I entirely agree with what she said. Uh, President Putin started this war, uh, and whatever uh, the determination made in relation to the events yesterday, they result, whether directly or indirectly, from the unlawful aggression perpetrated by the Russian government. And that's why the Prime Minister is out at the G20, uh, rallying support, making sure we wean ourselves off energy uh, dependence on Russia, making sure we uh, make sure we've got the energy supply from other parts of the world. And, and I agree with what she said 100%. Angela Ray. Oh, Can I thank the right honourable lady, Mr. Yes. Raab begins his answer, for asking a serious question about World yeah. War Three rather than about me. Um, you could almost above it. <laughs> detect the relief in the man's voice. Um, but yes, I mean, and, and a good look for Labour to put that at the top. Frankly, um, it is the biggest event of the of the week, and um, it's um, it's one where you know they will want to look and sound different from uh, uh, predecessor regimes in their party. And also present, you know, government in waiting. We're discussing the serious issues. No, let no one say that we're trivialising matters. I mean, it'd be amazing if she got through this whole thing without raising the uh, bullying allegations. Uh, don't forget, you can watch along on the Times Radio YouTube channel. I should have said that before. Ollie from, uh, is watching in Bedford, Lou in Pennsylvania. And Richard says, Matt, shout out to the Plymouth College Politics Club. Big fans. We watch this each week. Doesn't sound like this voluntary, but that sounds like it might be a lunchtime voluntary thing. Good for them. Let's get this on this on the on the curriculum. That's what we need. Well, let's have them on at some point. Yeah, we should get them on. That's a good idea. Write that down, someone. Let's get the politics club on. They can do PMQs on Pat one. We, we can just sit back and do nothing. Right, lovely. Yeah, get on the YouTubes. Uh, you can text me eight seven trouble two. Start your message with the word times. Let me know what you think of it so far. Let's go back. Question two for Andrew Rayner. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker, and it's right that we condemn Putin in his strongest terms. But the G20 is also an opportunity to work together to tackle the economic challenges we all face. Yet as our international allies race to crack down on multinationals using tax havens to stash profits abroad, this government is dragging its feet to protect their profits. We have a budget tomorrow, Mr Speaker, where it's briefed that tough choices will be impacting on families across Britain. Does he accept that every pound hidden in tax havens is a pound loss from the pockets of working families? Well, can I thank the Honourable Lady? I mean, I, look, we want people to come to this country to create the jobs uh, and to generate the tax revenue. Uh, whether it's non-dom status, which was stricter under this government given the changes we made than under the last Labour government. Uh, whether it's the Prime Minister's approach to big tech companies, uh, where he's led the charge uh, with the G presidency in making sure there's an international approach uh, and delivering uh, global minimum corporate tax rules. We have lowered the tax gap, the difference between the tax owed and the tax uh, raised, to uh, the lowest level, certainly lower than under the last Labour government, and will continue to do so. Another serious policy question. Yes, policy. We're doing a lot of policy today. Not that we should sound disappointed. No, that, you understand. And and again, uh, Labour tried to draw that uh, divide. I'm not sure she did it, in a, you know, in a painting in primary colours way. But uh, Lord tried to, uh, Labour tried to draw that distinction. That uh, you know, Jeremy Hunt saying at the weekend, everyone's going to be paying more tax, and Labour was saying, well, if you've got the big multinationals to pay more tax, that you know, every pound or penny you raise from them is a pound or penny you don't need to raise from from working people. 
Uh, yeah, that's right. And Rob's answer was again uh, sort of accurate and uh, made uh, the Tory case, uh, but again, not in particularly straightforward terms. You know, he could have said, you know, this Prime Minister has raised the tax burden on these companies and he did it around the world and persuaded even the Americans to sign up to it. Um, but he didn't quite put it like that. Um, but yeah, this is, you know, it's a long-running theme, isn't it, between the, uh, the two sides. Um, Labour's going to hit the toys for being too close to big business and too close uh, to donor types who uh, hide their money offshore um, uh, and don't, uh, you know, are quite good at avoiding uh, tax in an entirely legal way. Um, yeah. Uh, which, again, we, I imagine we'll hear a lot about uh, from uh, the Labour front bench tomorrow. In fact, sitting behind Angela Wayne, on one side you've got Rachel Reeves, the Shadow Chancellor, who will have a big moment tomorrow. It's a big uh, big test for her uh, going up against uh, Jeremy Hunt and how Labour responds to that. We'll bring you that uh, live on the show tomorrow. Uh, let's go back then to the House of Commons. It's PMQ, Deputy PMQs unpacked. I'll get that right by the time it's finished. Deputy PMQs unpacked. Uh, we'll go back to question number three from Angela Wayne. No, it's non-dom status hasn't been abolished, though, Mr. Speaker. And the Conservatives, the Conservatives would have us all believe that the economic problems are out of their hands. When the truth is, Mr. Speaker, it's working people paying the price for their choices. They've chosen to protect corporate profits and not household incomes. There are 38 countries in the OECD two-year growth league table. Where does the UK rank in that table? Thank you. She'll know that on the latest data, unemployment remains at a 50-year low. Well, she's saying the the, the shadow's chancellor is saying it's gone up. It's half the level left by the last Labour government. And when it comes to GDP, and. and when it comes to GDP, she'll know that the IMF has said that we will have the strongest growth in the G7. Well, for those that aren't across the OECD growth league table, where do you, do you know where we are? I, I don't, but I imagine we're pretty, pretty low. I think we could be pretty cold. We might even be 38 out of 38. But it uh, does 38. show you can choose your statistics and... But, you know, where are we? We on have growth? the strongest well, the thing is, we've got very low unemployment. <laughs> Although, I mean, there's a separate conversation there about the number of people who've just left the jobs market altogether. And if you lump them in, then unemployment doesn't look uh, quite so rosy. Uh, but once again, Angela Rayner, I suppose what Angela Rayner is doing here uh, is avoiding falling into the trap that actually the Labour Party might have done six months ago, 12 months ago. Done all six questions on... Yeah, Dominic I imagine Rob. she'll do two or three. Yeah. Because um, uh, She's also creating this sort of weird tension, which I quite yeah, like. Rob, Rob must be sort of, you know, the exquisite tension of waiting for himself to become the, the subject of it. Maybe if she never does it... Yeah. All his great response lines will the, remain. The vein will start going. The vein will go, and it's sort of all pent up inside him. The other thing she's doing... Maybe uh, he'll react with rage. A bit. She'll throw some tomatoes at him. Exactly. Uh, the other thing she's doing a bit, I remember speaking to William Hague about this, when he, he was up with it, all he could try and do was try and wrong foot Tony Blair a bit at PMQs. And so we'd jump around asking about different topics. And at one point, Tony Blair had two folders, all in alphabetical order. So it was like forests and then gardens and then yeah. horses and whatever it might be. Um, just trying to wrong foot him by asking about zoos and then asking about balloons or whatever. (laughs) Uh, And she's doing that a little bit as well in terms of like not quite knowing where you're going and do I use this fact on this question because she might come back again in a minute. I'm going to need a line on that. So, yeah, a lot of prep going on in the... uh, 
the Ministry of Justice this morning. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, um, old hands like Damien McBride on the Labour side who do occasionally help out with the PMQ prep, that's the kind of uh, thing that... Uh, they've seen in action for years yeah um, so we've done we've done poland we've done uh windfall taxes we've done non-doms and now we've done the uh, britain's place in the oecd growth league table there were 38 countries i wonder where we are we can go back to angela Rayner and find I think out she's gonna tell us Mr Speaker, I think the economic situation families face speaks for itself. But I'll answer the question for the Deputy Prime Minister. The answer is 38 out of 38 on growth. If there was a World Cup for growth, we wouldn't even qualify. Working people are paying the price for 12 years of Tory failure. The wrong choices by the wrong people. Now, after days of dodging and denial, this morning, the Deputy Prime Minister finally acknowledged formal complaints about his misconduct, but his letter contains no hint of admission or apology. This is anti-bullying. This, this is anti-bullying week. Will he apologise? Deputy Prime Minister. Can I thank the Right Honourable Lady? Look, in terms of the economic challenges which are global, caused by COVID and the war in Ukraine, we've got a plan to grip inflation, balance the books and drive economic growth. If we listen to the Honourable Lady, debt would go up, unemployment would go up and working Britons would pay the price. She asked, she asked, she asked about uh, the complaints. I received notification this morning. I immediately asked the Prime Minister to set up an independent uh, inquiry into them. I'm confident I behave professionally throughout, but of course I will engage thoroughly and look forward, Mr Speaker, may I say, look forward to transparently addressing any claims that have been made. I think that was worth a bing. <laughs> I was writing down what he was saying. I was doing my best shorthand. I'm confident I've behaved professionally throughout. Yeah, that doesn't mean nicely. No. It just means professionally. Uh, and this is the thing. These things are, you know, there is a long, uh, you know, in people's human behaviour, uh, the kind of bosses we're prepared to tolerate uh, goes, it's on a spectrum, isn't it? Um, and you, you know, one man's tough is another man's abusive. Um, and this is why there are these complaints procedures. And until mm. now, Rob has been able to say no formal complaints, no formal complaints. And if there aren't formal complaints, it's very difficult to do much about it. And, you know, lots of us have heard about incidents involving all sorts of ministers um, uh, in all sorts of different ways. And if there are no formal complaints, it's very difficult to write the story a lot of the time uh, if people don't come forward. In this case, people are flocking forward. And, and what should we read? Because he, he, he repeated this in the comments, but he, he said it in his letter as well, the, the, the letter he wrote to the, the Prime Minister. Uh, he welcomes the opportunity to address any complaints transparently. What, what's he getting? Is, is it because he, he, he basically wants to be able to publicly, publicly rubbish? The, I don't know what the... What, well, look, if you speak it, to it people... It's an unusual turn of phrase. I suppose just, you know, the, uh, one of the people I know best who uh, worked for Dominic Raab doesn't work for him anymore, but would say that uh, a lot of his frustration was down to a department that wasn't functioning terribly well and officials who were not doing what he wanted them to do... Um, and they could hide behind getting upset at his behaviour. Um, uh, the reason he was upset was because they weren't doing their jobs properly. Now, that may be what um, uh, he uh, uses in his defence, um, if indeed he needs a defence. Let's see you know, how strong these allegations are. The other thing I'm very struck by, and at the beginning I thought he's been told to be polite, um, you know, mm. look like a nice polite boy. You know, I thank the right honourable lady for all of his answers. Yeah. But the more he uses it, the more it just seems a bit 
slightly controlled and a little bit sort of confirming the... Deep breath, Tom. Deep breath. Don't get upset. <laughs> Tell her, thanks very much for your horrible question. And it, st- it initially really seemed fine. sort of relaxed and calm. And, he, you know, initially he was obviously delighted to be asked about something else. But there's a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a little bit of, you know, man pressing a, you know, a knife into his leg going... Keep calm, whatever you do. Every page has got <laughs> keep calm written at the top of it. Uh, Sarah Jane's been in touch saying Liz Truss was ousted by a lettuce. Uh, Dominic Raab next by a tomato. Which other salad items might be lurking to ambush unwitting cabinet ministers? Well, I bet you're annoyed you didn't come up with that one. Well, you know, I might credit her tomorrow when we do a whole thing on cucumbers. But anyway, there we are. Uh, keep those coming in. 87222 site meshes with the word times. You can still watch along live on the... Uh, Times Radio YouTube channel. Mark says, Angela Rayner is so much better at this than Sakir Bland. Uh, Rayner is doing well, but how many people feel uh, still feel she's better than Starmer, says Jeff. Uh, seemed like a lot of waffle there from Rob, says Benjamin. The problem with constantly quoting stats is applied. People lose interest very quickly. Hard to follow. It's possible, Benjamin. That's the reason he's doing it. But anyway, uh, um, I did think the World Cup joke was quite good. Though, that was quite a good it? joke. Of all the things Rainer said, that's the one that might cut through. That you know we um, you know, wouldn't have even qualified in thirty. That feels like something the Labour Party might tweet out later. Yes, I mean, if they wanted to improve on it, they could say you know we'd have been knocked out in the knockouts in the you know qualification stages by X and name yeah, yeah, whichever yeah. godforsaken place was the thirty seventh on the list. Uh, but there we are. Uh, we've, got, we've got one more to go. One more to go. This, uh, yeah, two more to two go. More two to more go. to go. We've got, to, we've got to get on with it. It's been so exciting. It seems to have flown I've by. lost track. Uh, yeah, so here we go. Let's go back to the House of Commons. Deputy PMQ's unpacked. Tim Shipman, chief political commentator of the Sunday Times, is here. We go back to the House of Commons now. It's Angela Wayne, question five. So, Mr Speaker, let me get this straight. He has had to demand an investigation into himself because the Prime Minister is too weak to get a grip. A Prime Minister in office less than a month with a disgraced Cabinet Minister resigned with his good wishes, the Home Secretary who breached the Ministerial Code and risked national security still clings on, and now the Prime Minister defends his deputy whose behaviour has been described as abrasive, controlling and demeaning. With junior staff, Mr Speaker, too scared to even enter his office. And that's without mentioning the flying tomatoes. The Deputy Prime Minister knows his behaviour is unacceptable. So what's he still doing here? Deputy Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I'm here and happy to address any specific point she wishes to make. Uh, Well, that never happened, uh, she says, from a sedentary position. And I uh, will thoroughly rebut and refute any of the claims that have been made. She hasn't, in fact, she hasn't, in fact, put a specific point to me. If she wishes to do so, and this is her opportunity, I'd be very glad to address it. Angela Ray. <laughs> I'd be so the, delighted. Uh, the, uh, if only you had something specific to the, raise. The deputy manager of a building society, I'm just here to help vibe. Yes. He's really clinging on to if you'd like to apply for a mortgage, I'll find 19 reasons why you can't have it, but we'll, you can have a I, cup of tea at yes. the same time. Would you, could I get you a chair? Yes. Um, uh, some decent stuff there from uh, uh, Angela Rayner. And again, this is interesting, the Labour Party, and you sort of the, the machinations going behind the scenes. It became clear from PMQs last week where uh, Keir Starmer used two week. Three, yep. three to t- in an echo of week, week, week by um, uh, Tony Blair against John Major. She's slipping in there. This isn't just about Dominic Raab. This no. is about Rishi Sunak. 
unable to tackle all these things, unable to stand up to these guys. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I haven't seen uh, too much polling on this yet. Um, I'm going to be sitting in a focus group uh, tomorrow evening, um, which will help inform our coverage of the, the budget for the weekend. Um, but I'm going to ask about this, or at least get somebody to ask about it. I think uh, I think it's interesting to see whether that the slight sense that Rishi Sunak's this tiny little bloke who can't stand up to all these bullies, yeah. um, which plays into his physicality as well. I think I think it's interesting. Um, and yeah, oh, Twitter will hate me, but I can't resist. We had uh, Keir Starmer's secretary, yeah. and now we've got um, uh, Angela Rayner's secretary. Secretary. Uh... <laughs> Stig Abel does the same. Stig Abel does secretary. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I've well, got a lot of abuse right. on yeah. Twitter when, well, I, the last time when, when I last time I pointed it out. So, you know, we've got to stick to our guns here. And I think uh, when Dominic Raab said that never happened, I think he was referring to the tomato gate, wasn't he? I think that was exactly what he was referring to. And that has been healthily denied. And I have to say, even uh, leaky civil servants who are not uh, great fans of uh, Mr Raab, who are uh, people I'm in touch with, don't believe it happened either. And it, so, th if you if you haven't been across this, this is the suggestion he was accused of hurling tomatoes from a sandwich across a meeting room. It wasn't even across the room; it was into a bag on his desk. Yeah, I mean, he began a tirade, yeah. opened his pret sandwich, and threw three tomatoes out into a bag across the table, making a loud noise. There's quite a lot of that I couldn't totally. How loud a noise do three bits of tomato make going into a bag? Maybe he was making the loud noise. Oh, well, maybe, but um... shouting tomato! <laughs> <laughs> God damn you! I wanted a. Um, name a tomato. I know I've, that I would have done much better there if I could have thought of a clever name for a tomato. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, it was the type of tomato. But yeah, apparently it's um, yeah. He 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 made clear he thought that that was uh, absolute nonsense. It didn't happen. Um, so there we go. Uh, right, uh, we go back to the House of Commons then. Let's see if uh, if Angela Rayner takes him up on the interesting invitation to ask him anything she wants about specifics of whether or not he was a bully. Uh, this is question number six on Deputy PMQ's Unpacked. This is Angela Vader. Mr Speaker. Thank you, Angela Rayner. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Maybe he just doesn't think there's a problem or maybe he's suggesting that civil servants are liars. Now he's reportedly banned from meeting junior staff without supervision. While we await an inquiry the Prime Minister hasn't even instigated from a watchdog he hasn't even appointed. In the Prime Minister's letter, he did not say how and when this will be investigated or by who. No ethics, no integrity and no mandate. And still no ethics adviser. So when will they appoint an independent ethics adviser and drain the swamp? Mr Speaker, the recruitment of the new ethics adviser is already underway and taking, and taking place at pace. But may I say, Mr Speaker, there is a reason that she's come to the dispatch box with her usual mix of bluster and mudslinging is because they don't have a plan. Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, we're helping people into work. She's in hot to the unions. We're protecting our borders. She voted against every single measure to control illegal immigration to this country. We're delivering cleaner growth and energy security. She wants to send billions in reparation payments abroad. The British people want a government that can deal with the real challenges, and they're not up to it. Lucy Allen. Well, 
You'd have to say Raab won that last exchange, I think. Um, well, uh, well the, the, the slightly weird thing was that Angela Rayner actually ended it on a question. She, did a, she, she didn't, didn't build. The there was time. no peroration. Yeah. There was no um, clip for the for the the media. Um, and that you know, perfectly reasonable point to make about um, Sunak rabbiting on about integrity and still hasn't yeah. appointed an integrity advisor. Um, You'd almost have done. But those... that should have been question four or yeah. whatever, rather than. Which um, we should point out if you if you can remember all of this. Boris Johnson did have an ethics advisor, uh, which was Lord Guite who quit back in June over uh, after conceding the Prime Minister may have broken the ministerial code over the Partygate scandal. But he'd previously replaced... Um, Alex Doudal. <laughs> I was trying to remember his name as well. Alex Allen. Alex it? Allen, that's right. Because he... I get Alex Allen and Alex Aitken confused, but Alex Aitken is a is a, a comms guy and Alex Alex Allen. So Alex Allen, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was Alex Allen, yeah. And, that, and then he was the one who found that Priti Patel had bullied civil servants. Correct. And was then serially ignored by the Prime Minister and he then decided to walk, given that his advice was He then ignored. resigned. And yeah. then uh, Lord Guite was brought in to replace him. Yes. And was surprised to find that the man who sat his independent ethics advisor for not doing what he wanted... Was continued continued behaving in behaving such a fashion. Same way. It was an extraordinary, extraordinary turn of events. But it is a problem, isn't it? The, uh, Rishi Sunak stood on the steps of Number 10 and said, this government will have integrity, professionals and accountability at every level. And people have been pointing out, this is a million miles away from uh, John Major's uh, Back to Basics, that everything then starts being seen through that prism. Nobody nobody thought that Boris Johnson was going to lead a government led by integrity. No, and nor, nor, frankly, did he really ever claim to. Yeah, um, that, that, that's my point. Yes. He didn't claim to, and then no. when he didn't, it was like... And well, that's Rishi all... created a rod for his own back here, and, um, you know, uh, these appointments are ones that he was advised by some people not to make. Um, there we go. Um, but, yes, I mean, that was... But it, wasn't mu it wasn't much of a sort of uh, substantive answer, but it was a good Tory yeah, trot through yeah, yeah. of the case against Labour. Unions, borders, um, this reparation payments as well, which popped up at the COP summit. That's going to be another one where they're going to sort of say, these people want to funnel more of your cash overseas. Why would they want to do that? And which it's why so many members of, the, of particularly the Shadow Cabinet and Labour MPs in general have a problem with Ed Miliband, because Ed Miliband set this yes. hair running. The idea that Britain would pay cash to countries because we had an industrial revolution and they didn't, yeah. essentially. Essentially. And Edmund Aband is uh, behind the scenes, got quite a lot of influence. Um, good piece in the Sunday Times about that this weekend, if you want to have a look back at it. Um, a guy who was leader, who was not regarded as a roaring success, but in a range of ways, um, is uh, quietly quite influential uh, on the Labour front bench. And a lot of people who thought his uh, leadership was a bit of a turkey um, are not too happy about that. And a lot of them sit in the shadow cabinet alongside him. And, and because and it's because he does things like that, sort of musing out loud on things, which then gets thrown back at the the exactly. The and, and and you know, they think Labour think they've got a decent chance of taking back a lot of those red wall seats. But if they don't, it'll be stuff like you know reparations for for that sort of thing that will uh, probably uh, put a lot of. Uh, uh, voters backs up so there we are so uh, i mean dominic Raab got through that i suppose the, the the thing about at least getting this out this morning sort of slightly took the the wind out of angela rayner's sails i mean i thought quite apart when he said she turned he just turned she dominic Raab said angela rayner just turned up with her all her usual bluster actually, she, actually she didn't she didn't yeah. uh she didn't sort of quite play his game she asked about poland and the budget and non-doms and growth before she got round to the bullying allegations. But no, I mean, Rayner clearly won it. Um, yeah. But I think uh, Rob 
is not bleeding on the pavement, which no. will be um, uh, solace to some and a disappointment to others. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from?